This morning we're celebrating the most powerful event in the history of mankind, obviously the resurrection of Jesus, right? And uh, here's why. The resurrection of Christ gives every human alive hope for a better life. Isn't that right? I mean, you know, you can be in church all your life and you can flirt around with Christianity and never get what I just said. We're celebrating the resurrection of Christ, but it's more than an event. It's a release of the power of God in the life of His people. And whenever I think about that, it just humbles you just to think, who is man that you are mindful of us, God? Amen? But in Romans 8, verse 11, it says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. His Spirit is in you. If you're a child of God, His Spirit is in you. Amen? And because of the resurrection... We don't have to live an empty, lifeless, dead kind of life. Isn't that great? I, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe you never had an empty life. Maybe you never lived a discouraging, depressed kind of life. I have. How about you? And man, the difference Christ made in my life, I can't. But I'd like to do cartwheels in right here, right now, right? Because it just so excites me. I am so grateful that Jesus saved me. What about you? Are you glad Jesus saved you? Are you glad he redeemed you? If you're not, I question whether you've been saved or not. Because once you've experienced the salvation of God, you've experienced his power working in your life, how can you not shout? How can you not get excited about the resurrection? Amen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? We no longer have to live an empty life. The resurrection reminds us that Jesus completed his mission. Do you remember in John 19, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the very last words Jesus uttered before he died on the cross was, it is finished. Now, according to John, this was the last words that he spoke. It is finished. It happened this way in John 19 and 29. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it. They put it, it on a hyssop branch and they held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and he released his spirit. These were his last words. What did Christ mean when he said, it is finished? Now, some believe what he meant was that my life is over. This is it. I'm about to just breathe my last. Some people believe he meant that his suffering was finally finished because he, he just had experienced an agonizing time. Some believe he meant that he had finally fulfilled all prophecies concerning his crucifixion. And that is certainly all true, but I don't think that's what he really meant here. According to John, 
what Jesus, when Jesus said it is finished, he was declaring his mission was accomplished. The mission that the God, the Father had called him to earth for was accomplished. In fact, in John 19, 28, it says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And so Jesus knew his mission was finished. He fulfilled all the requirements of humanity for humanity to be redeemed. You know, it is finished really in the Greek means it's paid in full. How many of you know he paid it in full? And so Jesus paid in full with his precious blood the price necessary to liberate every one of us from the spiritual darkness that's in this earth. Amen? The resurrection reminds us that Christ completed his mission. What's his mission? Well, number one, to free humanity from spiritual darkness. And in Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. You know what I realized? That sometimes we don't know we're lost until we're saved. I didn't know how lost I was. I thought I was normal. Until I got saved and then my spiritual eyes were open and I'm in, oh my goodness, I've been living a life stumbling in darkness. But come on, anybody can relate with that? Thank God none of us have to live our lives in spiritual darkness any longer. We don't have to live our lives without purpose, without direction, without uh, identity. Thank God we can live our lives full. Amen? I love what 1 Peter 2.9 says. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man, we're a chosen people. I don't, yeah, I say, well, I'm a Thibodeau, I'm a Boudreaux, I'm a Menard, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm an Independent. I'm a chosen people. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm part of the Creator's family. Amen. That's enough to get excited about. So we are chosen. We're a priesthood. We're a holy nation. And we've been called out of darkness so we don't have to walk around and stumble in darkness any longer. Thank God we can be, we can walk in this marvelous light. Amen. And so spiritually speaking, you're not walking around with blinders on, running into things, running, skinning up your legs, skinning up your head, living an empty, an empty shell of a life. You can live with the fullness of God on the inside of you, man. And praise God, you got light in your life. And when you get to the ditch, you know where it's at. You can step over it. Amen. And when you see the pit, you don't have to jump in it. You can jump over it. Amen. Praise God for his marvelous light. Pardon me why I get excited this morning on. So his mission was to free humanity from spiritual darkness. Now, again, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, I know some of you, you weren't as rotten as I was. You weren't the kind of heathen that I was. And, you know, I, I'm not proud of that, but man, I am so glad he got me out of that. I'm so glad he changed my life, man. I mean, you would see my epitaph up there in, the, in Fountain Memorial somewhere if he hadn't redeemed me, amen? But you know what? His mission was also to make sure that no human would ever have to live an empty life. 
You know, they got people all over the world today. In fact, they may be some of you in here today that are you're living an empty life. Like, I know what it's like to have plenty of money, a pocket full of money, a nice car to drive, a nice job, friends, family, but be totally empty on in the inside. Have you ever felt that way? The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, the word thief here in this, in this verse, you know what it means? It means klepto. You ever heard of that word, klepto? That dude is a kleptomaniac. You ever heard of that? What that means is he's a thief, right? A klepto means to steal. The picture is that of a bandit, a pickpocket, a thief who is so artful in the way that he steals that his exploits of thievery are nearly undetectable. You know, a few years ago, Tanya and I and, and Olivia, and we went to New York City. And they told us when we went to New York, hey, listen, man, be careful when you're walking on those streets, you know. Like, keep your wallet in your front pocket, because, man, they got kleptos over there. Well, I think they might have them in Lafayette, too. Don't look at your neighbor right now. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? But they said, you know, man, they'll bump into you. Next thing you know, you don't have a wallet. They'll, they'll just rob you before you know it. That's a description of the devil. That's, that's a description of the enemy. He's very cunning in the way that he steals from people. He steals from people in such a deceiving way that he often accomplishes his goal before we even know that he's stolen from us. Right? The devil not only wants to steal from you, if he will have his way with you, he's not going to stop there. He's going to kill you. He's going to destroy you. The devil wants to steal, to kill. You know what he wants to do? He wants to ruin your life. He wants to waste your life. That's what he wants. He hates you. That's the truth. But I've got good news for you. Jesus came that you might not be stolen from, but that you might have life. And not just life, I want to tell you, life abundantly. Amen. And so listen, that's the mission of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. He gave to give every one of us a life filled with abundant richness and satisfaction and fullness in life. Amen. The empty grave is our symbol of hope, man. Because Jesus came out of the grave, he was the first one, and he said there's going to be many more after me. And every one of you in here that's given your life to Christ, understand the power of the resurrection. Amen. The resurrection gives us hope. It gives us hope that we can all live a rich, abundant, fulfilled, satisfying, overflowing kind of life. Now, let me just mention for just a moment, I'm not just talking about people that are not Christian right now. I'm talking to Christians. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean the enemy won't try to steal your pocketbook. Amen. Just because you're a Christian don't mean he's going he's gonna to give up on you and he's going to throw his hands up and say, okay, dude, no, no, no. He hates you if you're a believer. And he'll try to steal from you as much as anybody else. Amen. I, I love the amplified version. It says this. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have 
and enjoy life. I love that. Enjoy. How many of you are enjoying life? And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Listen, the Lord defeated death, hell, and the grave so we might enjoy a fulfilled life, a full life. Are y'all hearing me out there? The Lord defeated death, hell, and the grave so we can live not just an abundant life, an overflowing kind of life. Amen? An abundant life is a life full of the love of God, full of the joy of the Lord, full of the peace of God. Amen? We don't have to live our lives biting our fingernails. Come on, we don't have to live our lives. Come on, just, just hanging on by a thread. We can live an abundant life. Do y'all agree with that? Do y'all believe that? That's what the resurrection is all about. In fact, whenever I think of abundant life, I, I, I just had to do this. You, I, I hope you don't think it's too cheesy. But, you know, whenever I think of an abundant life, you know, the Bible says... It's a life overflowing, right? And so some of us are living a life, and we got, you know, there, I don't know if you can see it, but there's some water in there. But, you know, sometimes it represents the kind of life we live. We're living life. We're not dead. We still, if you put a monitor on us, we still have a heartbeat. We get up in the morning. We go through the motions. But, you know, the reality is we're not living an overflowing kind of life. We're surviving. And Jesus didn't say, I came that you might survive. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And so, you know, whenever I think about that, I think about Jesus saying, I don't want you to live your life like this. I want you to live your life filled. That's better. That's better. Now, now you can put a smile on your face. Now you get pretty excited on Monday morning, not just Friday afternoon. Amen? And then he says, I don't want you to just live like that. I want you to live a full life. A full life. But I don't want you to just live a full life. I want you to live an overflowing life. Amen? I want it to overflow and overflow. How much do you want? How much do you want? Amen? And you know what happens when you live an overflowing life? It spills over on others. And other people around you get the blessing of the overflow in your life. Come on, we don't want to live our life with a glass half empty. We want to live our life overflowing with the love and the goodness and the grace of God. Amen? Come on, how many of you, how many of you are with me? That's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of life that Jesus says we can live. You know, in, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verse 5, it says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Amen. You know, whenever I think about that, I think about the person that goes to the office on Monday morning, and they got a lot of long-faced mules. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, good morning. And they look at you like they just finished eating some sawbriar, Right? And you walk in and you're full of joy. You're full of peace. And they heard some bad news this weekend and they're all in the mully grub. They're down and out. Come on, listen. If Jesus can come out of the grave, my goodness, we can overcome. We can overcome adversity. We can overcome trials and tribulations. Amen. Come on, the Lord wants us to live an abundant life. Don't settle for the mediocre. Easter Sunday reminds us that we don't have to live a humdrum life. We can live an amazing life. 
we can live an amazing life. The empty grave reminds us that we can live an amazing, abundant, fulfilled life. The resurrection reminds us that we can all enjoy God's divine blessings in our life. You know, the reason we can live this abundant, overflowing life is because of God's divine blessings, not because of natural blessings. I mean, haven't you seen, haven't you heard the stories that just because somebody has a bank full of money doesn't mean they're living an abundant life? Listen, they can have a house on each coast and one in a third world. It doesn't mean they're going to have an abundant life. You can have a brand new truck. You can have a boat to pull with. You can have a camper to hook up on the back of the, the, the boat. It doesn't matter how much stuff you have. It doesn't mean you're going to live an abundant life. Abundant life comes from God's divine blessings in your life. That's it. That period. Amen. In fact, Psalm 103 in verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Come on, how many of you know he's got a lot of them? All means a lot, right? He says, forget not all of his benefits. What benefits does David speak? I believe he was speaking of the divine blessings of God. In fact, David actually lists lists some here. In Psalm 103, verse 2, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And let me just stop here just a minute. He's encouraging himself. He's encouraging himself. He's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. How many of you know David talked to himself? He said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself, amen? Just don't answer yourself. Then they'll put you in a crazy house. But sometimes you got to talk to yourself and say, bless the Lord, O my soul, amen? And that's what David is doing here. And he says, forget not all of his benefits. Sometimes we get discouraged because we forget about his benefits, amen? Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles amen that's five divine blessings right there amen and how many of you know they got a book full of them right but listen you see it's not the natural blessings that allows you to live the abundant life it's the divine blessings of god now let, let me just slow down right here to say that I don't want to say it too fast. I want, you to, I want you to get this. Folks, it's not the natural blessings that's going to give you an abundant life. It's not your spouse that's going to give you an abundant life. It's not a relationship that's going to give you abundant life. It's not more money that's going to give you an abundant life. Come on, it's not, it's not more friends that's going to give you an abundant life. It's not when you finish school that's going to give you abundant life. It's not when you retire that's going to give you an abundant life. It's the divine blessings of God that's going to give you that overflowing kind of life. And if you can just understand this, that you got to stay plugged into God because it's only God that can give you the abundant kind of life. Amen? Only He can give you that abundant life. And so David encouraged his soul by reminding himself of God's divine blessings. And we need to encourage ourselves. When, G when God sent Jesus to die on the cross, when they put him in that grave and he came out of that grave, there was a mission, there was a purpose. And that purpose is for each and every one of us that's in this room today. 
That regardless of what we've been through, what we're going through, what we've dealt with, it doesn't matter. If Even if you're in the grave, you're in a tomb, you lost your heartbeat, if the resurrecting power of Jesus can raise the dead, you a step ahead. You're hearing me. You're breathing. Amen. And if they can come out of the grave, so can you. Amen. Come on. I'm trying to encourage you this morning. Amen. Thank you. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack Psalm 103 those blessings. But today I want to look just a little bit closer at the first of these divine blessings, which is divine forgiveness. And you notice not one person said, amen. If I'd have said, I want to talk about the first blessing. God wants you to be rich. Amen. God wants you to be promoted. Amen. But sometimes we look at this principle of divine forgiveness in a negative light when it's not. It's the most positive light you could ever experience. Amen. And so let's unpack that. Listen, Psalm 102 or 103 verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. Wow. Iniquities means the inward motivation To break God's law. It's the inward motivation to sin. Forgive means to be released from the payment or the debt of sin. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I know some of you think you're really good, but you're not that good. You sin. We all sin. None of us, God, none of us can live this life without sinning. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And I know you're not him, right? So all means you and me, right? All have sinned. Every one of us is guilty of sinning before God. And Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. In other words, it's saying there's a consequence. There's a price to pay when we sin. We all owe a debt for our sins that we can never pay ourselves. How many, how much payment? How many sins? Huh. How big of a scroll you have? Right? Our sins, there are many. And so there's a big debt. But here, listen. The problem is our sin blocks us from receiving divine blessings. See, here's the problem. Isaiah 59.2 says, but the trouble is that your sins have cut you off from God. Because of sin, he has turned his face away from you and will not listen anymore. How many of you know sin cuts you off from God? Our sin creates a barrier blocking us from receiving the divine blessings of God. You see, most of our problems are really not natural problems. Most of our problems are really spiritual problems. And so listen, before we can talk about all these other blessings, we got to first talk about divine forgiveness. It's the first step. Are y'all still tracking with me? You see, he lists them there and he says, before we can get healed from our diseases, we got to talk about divine forgiveness. 
Before we talk about getting our life redeemed from destruction, we got to talk about divine forgiveness. Before we can talk about our life getting crowned with kindness and mercy, we have to talk about divine forgiveness. Before we can live an overflowing kind of life, we have to talk about divine forgiveness. We have to first talk about what the redemption of Christ really means. You see, listen, the divine blessing of forgiveness is available for all who desire it. That's the great news. Just a little bit further down in Psalm 103, it says this, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Can somebody say amen right there? For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Can you say amen right there? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. How many of you heard that verse? Hey, he's removed your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. You know, I heard somebody talking about this and they said, you know, we think, uh, uh, we think, uh, uh, like globally, you know, like if you go east and west, you're going to end up meeting again. But he's talking about linear. If you go that way and I go that way, we're going to keep going and going and never come back. When he says he's going to separate your sins as far as the east is from the west, what he's saying is like, infinitely. I'm going to forget them. I'm going to wash them away forever and ever and ever. Can I get a better amen? Come on. I know there's a few heathens in here. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's the power of the gospel, right? And that's what he's saying here. And so, so, you know, um, I heard somebody explain the difference between iniquities and transgressions. Iniquities is the inward motivation. It's the heart's attitude to sin. Transgression is the action. It's whenever you actually sin. But they both sin, right? Well, the good news is he forgives them both. The inward motive and the outward action of sin. And so Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, means I'm going to forgive you of your sins and they're going to be forgiven forever. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever did something in your life that you would be embarrassed to come up here and tell these people that you did? Would you be willing to let God put all your actions up on that screen I would be a little nervous. What about you? But whenever he says he forgives, he forgives. And I don't know, y'all, there might be some saints in this building right now. But I am so grateful that he forgives. And he doesn't remember. He washes. How about you? Amen. Aren't you glad? You see? Divine forgiveness is not negative. It's positive. I get released from the payment that I deserve to pay because Jesus paid it for me. Can I get a better amen? Ooh, glory to God. The resurrection of Christ reminds us that we can live 
with the divine blessing of God's forgiveness. I don't know about you, but there's nothing more tormenting than living under Satan's condemnation. And, you know, sometimes the reason why we're not living a life of abundance is because one of the things the enemy will try to steal is your peace of mind. And even though Christ has forgiven you, the, and, and Christ forgets, the devil won't. And he'll try to hold it over your head. You know, it's amazing that I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but the devil will remind me of something I did when I was five years old. Come on, y'all. Can y'all relate to that? And some of us are living like we've, you know, we, we, we are like the, the notorious sinner of Lafayette Parish. Because the enemy's beating us over the head with condemnation. Condemnation means to condemn. You are not worthy. You are not worthy. You're not worthy for the love of God. You are not worthy of the grace of God. And he'll remind you, remember when you did. That's why you're not worthy. But come on, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Come on, there's none. There's no condemnation. You know, after... um you, some of you probably heard me tell this story, but, you know, uh, after I got saved, I was trying to, I mean, I, I had, he had a, he still has, but he had a project on his hand when he invited me to his family, you know? And uh, I remember, you know, like, I, I would just be in, in church and just worshiping God, and I would get a picture of a sin that I committed. When I was, I don't know, really, maybe eight, ten years old. I don't remember. But it, I don't know. He just, he just had this one that he would keep beating me over the head with. And it was stealing a baseball glove. We had a bunch of kids in the neighborhood. We all played ball. My parents didn't have a lot of money. Some of the neighbors had more. Some of the neighbors had new gloves. I had an old glove. I wanted a new glove. The neighbor left his new glove in the field. That new glove became my new glove. And I stole it. I did. I stole it. And this kid's walking around crying, where's my glove, where's my glove? And I'm just acting like, like the thief. And after I got saved, I couldn't get that out of my mind. Stealing the glove. You know, I decided I'm tired of living with that condemnation. I picked up the phone and I called the guy. We're adults now. We're married. We have kids. Hey, Barry. Yeah, this is Todd. Todd Menard. Remember? Yeah. I stole your glove. What? <laughs> I stole your glove. What you talking about? Remember when we were young, you lost that red glove? I stole it. He's like, you got to be kidding me. You stole my glove. I said, look, I want to come over there and bring you some money for that glove. He's like, man, dude, I don't need no glove, all right? I can't throw a ball if I want to do. But oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. To be released from condemnation. 
is so freeing. See, we don't realize the things that rob us from the full life. But thank God we can be free. You know, another, another thief of freedom, spiritual freedom, is guilt. Now, condemnation is of the devil. Guilt is of God. Guilt comes when you sin. And whenever you have guilt in your life, it robs you of confidence before God. And so again, you know, I was just thinking of just trying to illustrate this. And I'm not going to tell you my, my latest sins because it'd be too, you know, too revealing. But I just remember experiencing, when I first became a Christian, experiencing how powerful the forgiveness of God is. And I remember I was working in the oil field. And one day, I got paid and I opened my check and they put one number too much in my check. It's a great payday, my friends. <laughs> and so I just went to the bank, right? I went to the bank. It was a big company. I don't know if they would have ever found out. But after I became a Christian, I couldn't get it out of my mind. But this time, I, I don't believe it was guilt. I mean, I don't believe it was condemnation. I believe it was a guilty conscience. And again, I went, I went to my boss. I remember his face. And I had an envelope with some $100 bills in it. And uh, I walked in his office. I said, Mr. John? Yeah. I said, uh, I, I came to bring this back. He said, what is that? I said, some money. I said, money for what? I said, y'all overpaid me the other day. Well, it was more like last year. <laughs> it took me a while to get there. You know what I mean? But you know, it's like, really? I said, yeah. And you know what he said? He said, you know, Todd, they'll never know that. Just keep that money. I said, no, sir. No, sir. I can't. I got to give it back. Now listen. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm hopefully trying to illustrate the power of divine forgiveness. It's powerful. And I just have the feeling that maybe some of you in here today, you understand what it's like to live under condemnation. Because you're living in it right now. And the enemy's beating you over the head with it. Can I encourage you today? The resurrection reminds us that we can receive the divine blessing of forgiveness. Every transgression, every sin, every iniquity, everything you've ever done wrong can be wiped out just like, just like an eraser wipes off the, the chalkboard. Praise God. We can have a clean slate today through the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Now listen to me. Other people might not forgive you. But the blood of Jesus washes you and cleanses you. And God says you're free. Amen? Are y'all with me out here? Come on, be free in the name of Jesus. Amen? And some of you, you might not be in a state right now to be free from guilt. 
And you need the forgiveness of God. The empty grave reminds us that we can receive the divine blessings of God. And I've tried my best to illustrate to you this morning, God don't want you to live half-filled. God wants you to live overflow. He wants you to live an overflowing life. But you got it. Listen, you got to do it God's way. You can't do it your way. Some of us, we've done it our way all of our life. You know what iniquity is? Doing it your way. It's doing it your way. And you got to be willing to not do it your way, but do it God's way. And when you're willing to surrender your life and put your total faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's when you tap into the abundant life. Amen? Would you do me a favor and just stand with me this morning? Would you just close your eyes with just a moment? Please don't move around. Just stay still for just a moment. I want you to just do a little bit of soul searching this morning. I want to ask you just a few questions. The first question is this. Are you living a satisfying life or an empty life? Are you living full of the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the love of God? Just close your eyes. Just ask yourself, how is my soul today? Am I doing good? Am I doing all right? Can we just approach this first divine blessing this morning? Let me ask you another question. While I was just sharing my own personal story, could you relate to it? Did something come to your mind? Did all of a sudden you start thinking about your life and what's going on in your world? And maybe this morning, God wants to cleanse you. Maybe you need to be forgiven. Maybe you need to be healed of condemnation. I want to pray for those that are living under the condemnation. Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I do, I, uh, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I, I don't do, I, I, I don't want to do. Who, who's going to set me free? And he answers his own question. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe this morning, maybe you have something. It, it wasn't a red glove, but maybe it was something else. Maybe it's something else going on in your life right now. To be free, you have to repent. To repent means you have to change your mind. You have to be willing to say, this is not right in the eyes of God. I don't want to do it. I want to turn away from it. I want to live a different life. Repentance is followed by the grace of God to walk in that decision that you make. Let's pray together today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all those that are here today 
that are getting bombarded with condemnation. Come on, do me a favor and just, just break condemnation off you all. Just thank God and say, Lord, thank you for delivering me from condemnation. I've been forgiven of all my past sins, every last one of them, Lord. And I receive that forgiveness right now. Now, some of you, maybe you just need to repent right now. Say, Lord, forgive me, Father, for Lord, for my actions now, my behavior now. Lord, I don't want to live that way. I want to be free. Come on, just begin to talk to God right now. Father, I pray for the grace of God to fill this room this morning. Lord, let the blood of Jesus cover every heart and every life. Thank you, Father God, for the washing, the cleansing, the forgiven. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. You're separating sins as far as the east is from the west. You're separating us, Lord, from our wrongs, from our past, Lord, infinitely, forever. Thank you, Father. We're getting washed. We're getting cleansed. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're getting a spiritual bath today through the power of the blood of Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. Now listen, with your head still bowed, let me just ask one more question. You know, I went to church. I believed in God, but I never crossed the line. Jesus said, you got to be born again. You got to be willing to confess your sins to God. You got to be willing to confess your dependence on God. There's a difference between being a church going, goer, and being a Christian. You become a Christian when you're willing to surrender your life to Christ and give your all to Him. Maybe you're here today on this Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those that are lost. I know what it's like to be lost. I know what it's like to be empty. And maybe you're living your life like that today. And maybe today is your day to just say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to live for you. I'm ready to be the Christian that you want me to be. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand and just, just so I can see. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, ma'am. Just hold your hand up. I see your hand, ma'am. Thank you for being so bold. You have to... I thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. And just hold your hand up. Come on. Everybody else is praying. Come on. Right now. Look, those of you that are raising your hands, I want you to just pray this prayer with me this morning. We're all going to pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood for my sins. Lord, I need divine forgiveness. And I'm asking you for it. Lord, I want to be set free from guilt, from condemnation, from the penalty of sin. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for me. I accept your grace. I accept your forgiveness. And I thank you this morning for allowing me to be a part of your family. I love you, Lord. And I want to live for you. And I want to serve you all my days. In Jesus' name. I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's give him a just good, good hearty. Praise you, Father. Amen. Now listen, those of you that raised your hands and prayed that prayer, there's a card in the pew. 
that says, I made a decision. If you just take the time to fill that out, bring it into the lobby. We have a gift for you. We have a Bible if you need one. We're not going to harass you, but we do want to know that you pray that prayer. We want to pray for you, and we want to just help you on this spiritual journey. Amen? Now, come on. How many of you think this is the way to live your life right here, right? Come on. This is, come on. How many of you say, come on. I don't want to live my life half empty. I don't want to live my life going to work on Monday morning like a a mule that ate saw briar on a frosty morning. Amen. I want to live with the joy of the Lord. Come on. If the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he can quicken your mortal body and you can live an overcoming life. Amen. Father, I pray for every person here today. Lord, I thank you for the power of your grace that is being released. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your your touch on each and every one that is here. We love you, we honor you, and we rejoice in the empty grave today. He is risen, and we are thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Next Sunday, we're gonna talk about his healing of our diseases. God bless you. Have a great rest of the weekend.